Welcome to this week's edition of Leading the Way, powered by the Institute for Corporate Productivity. Influential people, high-performing organizations, creating a culture of success. And now your hosts, Scott Murray and Angel Carlton. Hello again, everybody. Great to have you along on this Sunday afternoon. We're going to be here till uh, 5 o'clock here in the uh, North Texas area, and we're delighted to uh, to welcome our sidekick along as uh, she always uh, is alongside. Angel Carlton, how you doing? I'm great, Scott. How are you doing? Good. Did you have a good week? Awesome week. Good. Yeah. That's a good thing. That's yeah. a good thing. Getting lots done for uh, leading the way. I know you had a little something this past week here in, yes. uh, in the area. Yeah, we had a great dinner with a bunch of HR executives uh, for I4CP. It was a lot of fun. And that's what you're all yeah. about. Tell us about I4CP. For somebody that might be listening for the first time here on Leading the Way, we talk and are represented very professionally by mm-hmm. our uh, our presenting sponsor, I4CP, the Institute for Corporate Productivity. Well, for those of you who aren't aware, I4CP is the Institute for Corporate Productivity, as Scott just mentioned, and we are a human capital research firm. We discover the people practices of high-performing organizations, and we work with some of the top companies in the world like Amazon and Microsoft, 3M, Starbucks, Ford, and, and just hundreds of other companies great, great companies. We we share our empirical data with them. We connect them with their peers and supply them with all the tools and resources that they need so they can outperform their competition. And you can always learn more about who we are on our website. I4, that's number four, cp.com. Sounds pretty simple, pretty mm-hmm. easy to remember. And I'll tell you what, uh, about a month ago, I4CP held their annual conference in Scottsdale, Arizona, and one of the people that was there as a keynote is our special guest today. How about that? And we were so impressed and enthralled with what he had to share, and not only the the message that he shared, but the way in which he did it. And you're about to see, we're about to interview a, a, a real character. Let me tell you a little something about this man that has worn many, many hats. He was a highly decorated infantry unit commander with the elite 82nd Airborne, earning two bronze stars, how about that, and taught guerrilla tactics to the U.S. Army Infantry School. That's who our special guest is here today. But uh, the reason we're talking to him is the fact that he is considered a world-renowned authority on customer loyalty and service innovation, writing over 600 articles. He's authored nine nationally best-selling books. And, believe it or not, He's also done other things for magazines and blogs and business journals. He's appeared live on CNN, CNNBC, CBS, Fox Business, Bloomberg TV, ABC, NPR Radio, and, of course, now today, 570 KLIF here in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. His work has been featured in Fortune, Bloomberg, Business Week, Forbes, Fast Company Incorporated Magazine, Wall Street Journal, Money Magazine, USA Today, CEO Magazine, an entrepreneur, and today on Leading the Way. How was that for an introduction, huh? Did you enjoy that? <laughs> I certainly <laughs> well, did. Let's find out if Chip Bell enjoyed it. How are you, my friend? I'm doing awesome, Scott and Angel. It's great to be with you again. We always have so much fun, and I appreciate the opportunity to be on your great show. Well, I tell you yeah. what, we're delighted. Uh, you've got you've got some Texas ties of sorts, don't you? I do. I was in Texas for 16 years in the Dallas area. Absolutely, and I have uh, an alliance partner in Fort Worth so um, that uh, produces uh, training, sales training and customer service training programs as far as performance group. So um, I have, uh, you know, I live currently um, east of Atlanta, but my heart's still in Texas. Well, I tell you what, you have certainly helped many Fortune 100 companies dramatically enhance their bottom line and, and marketplace reputation, for that matter, through your innovative customer-centric strategies. So if I was to ask you to define what you do every single day and what you enjoy most about it, what would you tell our audience? I think it's all about creating an experience um, that people tell stories about. Um, you know, we often talk about... Uh, things like, uh, would you recommend? Uh, many people are familiar with Net Promoter that asks that. It's one of his key questions. Uh, would you recommend us to a family member or a friend? I, I think there's a higher level of advocacy than, than a recommendation, and that is a story. When you hear someone say, let me tell you a story, or let me tell you what happened to me, and it's done in a way that's passionate and full, you know you're dealing with somebody who's a strong, a raving fan, as Ken Blanchard likes to say. And so it's all, for my work, it's all about creating organizations and cultures and in a way that makes that happen frequently to customers. Well put. 
makes mm-hmm. a lot of sense. I'll tell you what. One of the things that we do here on the lightning round, or I, I should say on leading the way, is we always start with the lightning round. You it's, bet. It's kind of your journey to success, Chip. Some of the things that you did along the way to get where you are today. So it gives our, our audience a, a little inside look at your, maybe the personal side of what you do. And, sure. and Okay? So there's five questions. Quick questions, quick answers, and but yep. I think it, uh, it'll spell out uh, who you are and what you're all about. All right, the Good. first one. What was your first job, and what did you learn from it? Uh, working for a bank, uh, and I won't name the bank, but I learned I had a great uh, opportunity to make a difference in a lot of lives of people. But I also got a chance to witness how customer service doesn't work effectively. Yeah, I, mm-hmm. bet, you, I bet you did, certainly in a bank. And as you said, no names. Thank you very much. No names. Yep, and that's where the journey began right there, that's right? It. That's it. All right, Chip, who were your top, let's say, two mentors in life, and how did they have an influence on you? I think my dad was the first one. My dad was a, a full-time farmer and a full-time t- uh, banker. But in his earlier life, he'd been a teacher, and he was always serving as my mentor. He was a stern taskmaster as well. But he taught me a lot about, I think, core values that have stood me in good stead throughout my life, the concept of integrity and honesty and hard work and and uh, applying yourself. And I think that that would be one, I would say, was an important mentor. And I think my first boss – my first boss, um, you know, still wet behind the ears coming out of school, um, gave me a lot of freedom, I think more than I deserved many times, but it, and allowed me to make mistakes and then talk about the lessons learned rather than uh, rebuke and criticism. So I think those are two I would cite. I'll tell you what, Chip, I think you and I must be related. I had no idea because your dad sounds just like my dad. <laughs> you, you, you define my dad to a T. I like that. All right, question number three in our lightning round, Chip. What has been the most significant experience, or for that matter, a turning point in your professional career, developing your skills in, in the leader that you've become to share your message all across the country? Probably calling in artillery on my own position and walking away from it. I was a, I'm not going to tell a gory story here, but I was an infantry um, unit commander in Vietnam uh, with the 82nd Airborne and on an ambush uh, and um, was being overrun, outnumbered 10 to 1, and realized the only way I could uh, survive, not survive, but the only action I had left was to call in artillery on my own position and take the enemy out. Obviously, the theory is it takes you out with it. Um, but I lived, and my folks lived, and we obviously achieved our mission, let's say. And I realized at that moment I'm here for a purpose, um, greater than um, a great purpose. I didn't know what that was, but I think it spearheaded me in the direction of working to make a difference in the lives of other people. And so I think that's, I would have to say, I've had a great day every day since then. Because when you're standing in front of an angry CEO, you think back, you know, this is nothing compared to hearing that round coming that's going to wipe you out. <laughs> Boy, I can imagine. Oh, gosh. I, I can't I, – or I can't even imagine. Yeah. Let me put that uh, put it that way. Is that the way that you earned one of your two bronze stars that we talked about in the intro? No. The bronze stars came uh, – you know, again, not to gory, get into gory details, but, you know, they were just uh, – bronze stars come for uh, either valor, mine were valor, or meritorious service, but – um, I saw a lot of action in Vietnam. Um, I had a, I grew up in a hurry, um, but I got an incredibly great training at the Army Infantry School at Fort Benning, and um, and uh, other training schools I went to as well. Um, so I was well prepared. But there, you know, any time you're in a combat situation, there are times for serving a way sometimes that um, you're just doing your job. You're not thinking about being a hero. But the aftermath, people look back and see it in the heroic way. So um, I was lucky. The other side to it, I ended up with two Purple Hearts as well. You don't want you don't want those, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah. well, yeah. good for you. And let us simply say to you, thanks for your service. Absolutely. Oh, my pleasure. Yeah, uh, my pleasure. I, do you know Lieutenant Colonel Maggie Magellis, the most decorated airman in the I, history I of the elite 82nd Airborne? Yeah, he's a good know. friend of mine. He's 101 year old. And oh my goodness! Yeah, he oh is, goodness. and just could carry on a conversation like you and I are right now. Incredible! Yeah, that's great. Incredible! That's great. Incredible! All right, well, let's move on. Go ahead, Danger. Oh, okay. What do we got next? All right, next question is: uh, What is the best advice you'd give someone in the next generation? Maybe a young professional stepping I into the, the, their career. Great. I, I, I would say um, 
the best advice I would get is never lose your humility or curiosity because I think those are the secrets to not only success but progress. Um, you know, we live in a time with a lot of uh, divided uh, nation. You know, people listen to their favorite TV program for the news, and and I think we are becoming fairly polarized. And um, you know, I, I would encourage people to be curious about people who are different, uh, views that are different, and humble around. I don't, I don't necessarily know the all the answers. I think the more we uh, have a sense of of wonderment about us, um, as opposed to being self righteous. I think uh, we open the door for progress. We open the door for innovation. And we open the door for success. And so those are the two things I would advise someone starting out. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, I love that advice. Yeah, I <laughs> I'll do take too. it. Yeah, yeah I <laughs> will too. The power of curiosity. Yeah, you That's got it. Really Absolutely. Awesome. All right, final question, lightning round here, Chip. How would you define your legacy? And it's still not complete. I'm well aware of that. But as, as you move forward, what is the legacy you hope to leave? I think, um, you know, Malcolm Forbes has uh, a, on his tombstone one of the best um, I think sayings, and it is, while alive, he lived. And and I think that's pretty cool because uh, Malcolm uh, Forbes, Steve Forbes' daddy, uh, absolutely lived his life to the fullest. And I would like to go out saying, boy, he got he, – in however many years he was here, he sure wrung every second of, of, of goodness out of it. Um, and so I think that would be important. I'd like to leave a legacy that I made a difference in the lives of people, but I also like to be remembered as somebody who had a blast. I, I love life, um, and so I, I think here again that same epitaph on Malcolm Noel, Malcolm uh, Forbes' uh, tombstone is a good one. While alive, he lived. Well, I, I think I'd put on your tombstone, he lived in the fast lane and he did it well. Made a difference. Because you're, you're doing it. You are having fun. It's very obvious I just do. to listen to I you. You meet you and it's obvious you're having fun. And so. it's so contagious. Yeah. Yeah, I've had really the opportunity is. to meet Chip a couple of times. Uh, the first right. time at a writer's conference in Birmingham and then at our conference in Scottsdale. And your energy is just absolutely contagious, oh, and it's thanks. inspiring. I wake up like this, <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. yeah, it's it's too bad more people don't. We'd be a much better country as a result. <laughs> that's well, for sure. I appreciate that. Yep. I appreciate that. Chip Bell is our special guest on Leading the Way. We're going to be back with more and uh, find out what's uh, going on in his world these days Good. when we continue here on Five Seventy KLIF. What are best practices? Are they what set you apart from your competition? Or are they simply what most companies do to stay in the race? At the Institute for Corporate Productivity, or I4CP, we focus on next practices. And that focus is what today's high-performance organizations rely on to lead the way. Next practices are tactics and strategies that our research has discovered have a great impact on market performance, but that few companies are using. They are what will define market leadership in the years ahead. I4CP helps you see around the curve so your company can adapt and take advantage of emerging trends in the ever-evolving world of human capital. We want you to lead the way. So join our team, I4CP, Institute for Corporate Productivity, leading the way. And now back to Leading the Way, powered by the Institute for Corporate Productivity. Here's Scott Murray and Angel Carlton. Welcome back to this Sunday afternoon edition of Leading the Way. Angel and yours truly going to be away, oh, we'll be around till about 5 o'clock this afternoon. And we are really excited today that we have uh, one of the top keynote speakers in the entire country. Chip Bell is our special guest. We heard him about a month ago in uh, Scottsdale, Arizona at the I4CP convention and the conference out there. And it was uh, above and beyond. And uh, you spoke at the time at that conference back in March about your new book, Kaleidoscope, Chip. Can you tell us how you title, obviously, first of all, and what you want readers to really take away from it for those that take the time to sit down and read it? You bet. Uh, kaleidoscope is, uh, I love kaleidoscopes. My granddaughters love kaleidoscopes. And then when they're at our house, they, I've got a collection. They always like to pick them up. And, and um, I, one of my granddaughters asked me one day about how, how does it work? What, what makes it work? And so it gave me a chance to think about 
some of the features of uh, the typical kaleidoscope that you see in a toy store. And uh, it occurred to me that while when you turn that animator, which is what that thing is that you turn, um, the images change. But the, st the gems, my granddaughters refer to them as jewels. In fact, okay. we've had them make their own. We've had them make their own kaleidoscope. Um, the jewels never change. There's always a constant inside that's get that's reflected differently. And it hit me that when I think about that unique service, creating experience that's unexpected, creating experience that is ingenious. Um, the images may be different, the expression of it may be different, but the core values, the core elements that make it, as I was describing, one that is profoundly remarkable, meaning it has such a profound impact on you as a customer, you can't wait to remark about it. If you think about it, those those are constant, and so I've spent a lot of time focusing on helping, getting people to tell me, tell me a story uh, that you would say was extraordinary in terms of service to try to figure out what's the feature that, that's underneath all of this. And so um, the book is about those features, those constant uh, features, like enchantment, it might be one. It's those times you have an experience that has a kind of a magical feel to it. Um, and so the book's about what are those, what are those jewels, if you will, those gems that are remain constant and hopefully people read the stories that go with it and go, well, I could do a variation on a theme. My expression, what I see might be different, but the foundation doesn't change. Mm -hmm. I like it. I yeah, like it. and you really gave some great examples. Do you have a story that comes to mind on enchanting the customer? Oh, sure. A good one I love is, is a simple one. My wife has her nails on manicures in a little strip shopping center not far from where I live. And, you know, she refers to her manicurist as a nail artist, meaning she does really, really cool work. Yeah, they are. Not, Some of them that's are. Not the, that's not the subject at the parties. What the manicurist does is after she's given uh, her, finishes her manicure, she escorts her to her car, opens her car door for her, and starts her ignition. Oh. <laughs> now, there's an enchantment. There's a story you'd tell. You know, there's a story yeah. you tell. And so it's little things like that. One of the key f features of, I think, enchantment is it works great when it is when it's simple. It's, it's unexpected. It's ingenious. It's sort of, wow, I wish I'd have thought of that. But it's simple. It's not, you know, as I like to say, it's not about red carpets, champagne, and, and helicopters, you know. And, and so it keeps it. But it's different, and here yeah. that's the key thing. I, I like to talk about the difference between value-added and value-unique. A lot of organizations today say, oh, we're all about value-added. Well, the problem that is you add value, meaning you take what customers expect and add a little more. Guess what's going to happen to their expectations? Their expectations are going to go up with it, and now you, you add a little more, and they go up a little bit more. Pretty soon you run out of room. Well, that's the concept of value-add. It's a great generosity, but the, there's a limit to it. Value-unique is taking it in a totally different unexpected. It's something the customer didn't expect. And so while you have, there's a limit to generosity, there's absolutely no limit to ingenuity. You know, it's always coming up with something that's sort of like, wow, that's unique. You know, it's like like Cracker Jacks. It wasn't the popcorn. It was the prize, mm -hmm. which was t financially worthless, but emotionally priceless. So it's that's the kind of concept that I like to talk about. Yeah. And as you said at the top, it's simple and it's different, but bottom line is it works. It does mm -hmm. work. Absolutely. It works. Yeah. I, I tell you what, I've never had a manicurist come out and open the door, but that's where you ruin your nails. I mean, well, it's brilliant. Right. Yes. Exactly. Uh. And that's, and that's what I like to, you know, and, and people go, Oh, I could do that. That's a, and so that's the kind of yeah. it's the practical, simple little things that make the difference. Yeah, and I just so loved the analogy of the kaleidoscope and and the meaning behind it. I love that. Yeah. So, as the expert in customer excellence for decades that you've been doing this, Chip, I'm sure you have seen a lot of changes over time. Can you please share with us your thoughts on how you feel the internet and maybe social media might be affecting the customer experiences for businesses today? I think first, yes, uh, and I love to talk about that because I think it has, it has had a dramatic impact. And I think what has happened is everything has been um, amplified um, and everything has been extended. 
and and what that means is the internet has made it noisier, n- more louder, let's say. You know, instead of somebody saying, I, I had a bad experience, and they talk about it, and now they have a YouTube video that shows it. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's amplified. <laughs> but it's also been extended because the reach of word of mouth is limited to the backyard fence, so to speak. But the reach of the Internet is, well, you know, Jeff Bezos says, the CEO of Amazon said, in the physical world, an unhappy customer tells six people, but in the cyber world, it'll tell 6,000. And so I think the reach of the internet has has caused the word of has caused customers' perceptions of service um, to be um, much more uh, impactful. They're much more empowered. You know, I like to say say they're they're wired and dangerous. Um, and I wrote a book by that title. Wired means they're connected, but dangerous means they can bring you down in a heartbeat just just with a tweet or a or a blog or a YouTube snarky video. And so I think it has constantly made um, the perception of service and the expectations for service great, much higher. It's also caused people to boycott uh, in a way that they wouldn't have before. You know, usually we, we go, we make a mistake, and then we go, I'm not going back there. Now we don't go make a mistake. We go online and go, uh-uh, I'm not even going to go in there the first time. And so it's it's made the customers critique uh, different because um, it's not born of experience; it's born of of someone else's experience. So that's changed it a lot. Let me ask you this: playing off of what you just said and what you just shared was is is I was very impressed and listened carefully with everything you just noted. And I'm thinking to myself, okay, as a as a longtime newsman, let me play a little devil's advocate with you and ask you this. Everything you say made all the sense in the world to me, and I totally agree. The thing that concerns me, though, is everybody thinks they're the next news reporter, and we hear a yeah. lot about fake news and that thing. Yeah. But the the accountability and the believability and, the, and the, the trust factor, so often anybody can get on there and say anything they want. That's and so right. sometimes, and that, you, you know, go ahead. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right, Scott. And, and it is scary to me, and that's why I said earlier I think um, amplifying and causing people to value curiosity is a critical piece because, you know, how do we know it's fake? Right. You know, well, right. what does it take to say that's fake? Is it because if it's on Fox, it's fake? If it's on MSNBC, it's not? Um, and, and, and so I think it requires us to, one, be, if the, as it comes to the news, be much more of a student of the news and not just a spectator of the news. Um, I, I think that's one. Two, I think the more that we listen to a view different than ours helps us see it uh, in a different light. You know, we it's been a long, long time since we had a news station. I mean, name name a news station that has no bias. They just report the news. You know, can, can you name any TV news station that there be it would be impossible for you if you watched it over a month to figure out the political bias of the show or the uh, person who's who's on the show. Mm-hmm. You, 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 it's hard to think of one. Yep, absolutely, you know, absolutely. You know, CNN, I you know probably watch CNN more than any any others, and I watch I try to watch them. I watch Fox, I watch MSNBC, I watch them all. But my point is, Fox talks about. Um, uh, stick with the facts. They've got great ads about facts, which I think are great messages. But then when I watch it, I go, mm, I think there's a cl- political lean- leaning here among the, quote, reporter who's supposed to be uh, not re- reflecting a particular bias, just reporting the news. And so I think it requires us to study more than we might otherwise. Uh, otherwise, we're going to be more and more polarized. Um, and so that's it is difficult, and be and, and we're so inundated. We have so much content now. It's you know it get, can be overwhelming, and, and make it even more difficult to know what's the truth. Yeah, yeah. and I always and, wonder if if that person just had a bad day, or maybe they're a chronic complainer, or if they're going online and just you know saying something right. derogatory about their experience and so you never really know you have to take it with a grain of salt i suppose exactly or exactly. or as a wannabe and just likes mm-hmm. the power of look what i can do and look what i can oh, share right. <laughs> yeah look look who can i can impress yeah mm-hmm. you got it absolutely yeah. well before we take a break let me ask you this one very quickly what are some effective ways that organizations are capturing the true 
customer experience? Is it through surveys, employees, apps like Yelp? or I mean, what, what might it be? The front line. Really? The front line. I mean, who knows the truth? That's true. That's true. Yep. And and it's real time. You know, if I talk to my front line, it happened an hour ago. If I do a survey, it may have happened a month ago. You know, or if I do Yelp, it might have been a week ago. But the front line, it was last. It was two, ten minutes ago. Mm-hmm. And so I talk to organizations about tapping the front line because they're your scouts. You know, and I, I like to use the analogy. If you were the captain of a fort in the old wild, wild west and you sent a scout out and they're gone for three days and they come back all wide-eyed, you're probably not going to say, I can't talk to you. i got to go to a meeting. <laughs> you know. And, and I like to say, you, you, you got employees coming back wide-eyed every day. And so we've got to tap the resource and say, what can we learn and make them – and, and we, what we know is that the more – we value their input and pay attention to that. The worth of their the more they're going to hear, the more they're going to pay attention to. And so I think it is that that front line to me is gold. That's that's where your wisdom best comes from. I like that. You agree? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh that's, yeah. That's, that's, that's no, it stuff. makes all the sense good in stuff. the world. Good stuff. Chip Bell is our uh, special guest here on this Sunday afternoon edition of Leading the Way. We're going to be back with more of his great wisdom and his humor. we got to hear some good humor before we're all said and done here, Chip, (laughs) as we continue here on 570 KLIF. (laughs) Leading the Way. It's about influential leaders and the business practices leading companies use to impact market performance. That's what the Institute for Corporate Productivity, or I4CP, does on a daily basis with leading leading companies from Amazon to Boeing and REI to 3M to not only discover the best people practices of high performance organizations, but the next practices, those that will define market leadership in the years ahead. Senior HR, learning, talent, and diversity executives from many of the most respected companies in the world rely on I4CP to ensure that their efforts will make the greatest impact on the business. After all, it's difficult to stay ahead by only looking behind. I4CP's focus on next practices is what today's top companies rely on to lead the way. I4CP, Institute for Corporate Productivity, leading the way every single day. And now, back to Scott Murray and Angel Carlton and Leading the Way, powered by the Institute for Corporate Productivity. Welcome back to Leading the Way. We're here with Chip Bell, author and expert on customer excellence. Chip, in your book, which I had the pleasure of reading, Sprinkles. Love this book. It looks like a children's book. I'm actually holding it in my hand. Uh, And it's so fun to read. It's such an easy read. It's colorful. It's got pictures and quotes and uh, stories. Uh, And you talk about creating these awesome experiences through innovative service. And you give some really great examples of these, uh, this exceptional customer service uh, practices and, and what you call the secret sauce. And you use words like abundance, accessible, adventure. Can you share with our audience, please, an example of innovative service or those sprinkles on top oh you bet my wife has a new car and she loves this new car she traded in her old car and and got a new car and a week after she had her new car she turned on the radio for the first time and discovered they had programmed in her radio stations from her trade-in oh really that's pretty cool isn't it that's very cool yeah i mean she they just let her discover it and and so that to me that's you know, and, and it's going beyond. It's that same dealership that says um, you're going to bring your car in to be you're going to bring your car to be serviced. Yeah, we'd like you to have it every five thousand. Yeah, okay. Are you, do you usually typically wait for it? Yeah, I typically wait for it. Okay, good. What's your favorite coffee? Hmm, hazelnut. Okay, good. We'll just make sure we have. When you come in to bring it, we'll put it in your profile. We'll make sure you have a uh, hazelnut K cup with a Keurig machine in the reception area. Boy, is that above and beyond wow. or what? That's that's not hard. That's not hard at all. But there's an example of, you know, and and here's what I like. You know, we both, my wife and I both go to the same dealership for maintenance. And how about this? You know, you're used to the cold bottle of water, logoed bottle of water in your your cup holder. But, you know, I take the car in, and what about that nice carnation that's laying on uh, on the passenger side to take home? 
Hmm. Very cool. Yeah. Very cool. I mean, it's thinking like that. And yeah. that's what I like to write about is what does it take to create a culture where people think like that? Yeah, just a little mini wow factor. It's, it yes. is. You know, uh, my, my favorite story, and, and I, I think I put it in the sprinkles. I can't remember, but I think I did. My, my favorite hotel is Hotel Monaco, and um, they're pet-friendly hotel. And when you show up and show them your driver's license or your credit card, they'll say, did you bring a pet? Uh, no. Well, would you like a pet? Um, <laughs> wow. Well, we can arrange to have a goldfish put in your room. Housekeeper will take care of it. All we ask is that you give it a name. And so when they bring you this basketball-sized goldfish bowl with a little goldfish in it, they've also bring the nameplate with the name you gave your um, goldfish. Goldie. I, I, I named mine Trixie. <laughs> Trixie. And, and so that the next time you show up and check in, the person ac across the counter says, you want Trixie to come up and spend the night with you again? <laughs> how cool is that? That's way too much information, Chip. Oh, my gosh. Uh, no, but how fun is it? Fun <laughs> it's is very it? fun. It's, That's it's hilarious. It like, making it fun. You know? Oh, I like that. Instead of having boring white bathrobes, they have leopard uh, print and zebra print. You know, yeah. just it's, it's because, you know, particularly for road warriors like me who are on the road all the time, the hotels all sort of, they're all nice, but I can tell you, once you get in the room, the difference between a Marriott and Sheraton and a Hilton and a Hyatt is not very much different. Yep. And so they're saying, let's make it different. Let's make it unique. Let's put a yoga mat in the closet. Wouldn't that be different? Yes. You know, it's that kind of thing. <laughs> and I so. bet you had conversations with Trixie. Please oh, tell yes. me. You, oh, you know you did. I know, I know I would. <laughs> well, so. you know, one of the things that you always talk about is customer focus. I mean, that's certainly part of uh, everything that you deal with. So what are one or two most uh, one or two of the most uh, effective elements or actions, maybe best put, needed to ensure success when you talk about customer focus? What comes to mind, Chip? It talks, it, it's, it's leaders who, who not only uh, talk the talk but walk the talk. Um, and, and I, I, you know, I tell leaders all the time, senior leaders, you know, when you're trying to transform a culture to be c customer focused, you're going to spend 20% of your time doing just that. If you're not willing to spend that much time, don't do it because mm -hmm. you're going to set it up to lose and you're going to leave behind a lot of cynicism because, well, we tried it and it didn't work. And so it takes a lot of commitment to transform an organization. But I think part of it is the actions that leaders take that role model. You know, it's it's sort of like the old familiar joke about the pig and the and the chicken standing in the field, seeing up, watching them put up that billboard that proclaims ham and eggs week. And, uh, and and the chicken turns to the pig and said, isn't it exciting to be committed to this important event? And the pig said, you might be committed, but I'm involved. <laughs> so, you know, it's not the words that, you know, I'm committed to great customer service, the leader might say. Well, how involved are you? You know, let's put some skin in the game here. So to me, that's it starts there because, you know, you're going to have some people always in the organization who are going to do a great job at customer service no matter what you do. That's just who they are. But if it's something that's to be consistent throughout the organization, creating a, a brand, an emotional brand that people value, it needs to be led from the top. And so I, that's I spend a lot of time talking to executives about what does that look like, you know. So mm -hmm. wh where do you spend your time, you know. We telegraph our priorities as leaders by, you know, where we spend our time and and uh, and who we promote and for what. And so, I, I think spending time focusing, you know, how many times do you have a customer come to your board meetings? You know, how many times? Mm -hmm. You know, how, how often does the does the customer uh, dominate your um, your agenda? You know, is it always on your agenda? You know, I bet the budget's always on the agenda. You know, I've had people say, if you looked at how we spend our time, we must be in the budget business because that's what we talk about. So yep. it's making it a priority enough that people witness it as, oh, it must be important. Look where the boss is spending their time. So that's that would be my advice. Yeah, and we work with a lot of high-performing organizations, and in their meetings, they actually have an empty chair, and that's the customer yeah. in, in their meetings. Yet. And so. Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah, great. Yeah. Empty chair is a customer. One I do with a lot of organizations is get you a baseball cap, right? Have, have customer embroidered on the front of it. Mm -hmm. A white baseball cap, have the customer written board, and somebody has to wear the hat of the customer, and they take, they're the customer's uh, advocate for the whole meeting. And so they're the ombudsman for the customer for that meeting, and you pass it around. And have that person as your customer, I would say this is going to be an issue. It's going to be a problem. So, 
people get to sit in that wear that hat all the time. They they you know pass it around. It's it, oh, it, that's great. It, it makes a sense a signal. I think. Uh, do you have a quick training tip for how these companies are turning customers into advocates? I think the training tip that works that you know I, I can get in uh, into a lot of stuff on on um, uh, on techniques for training, but I think the number one is how real does it feel? How do, do I bring the customer into the training experience? Do I feel like I am the customer's there? Uh, not physically there, but you know, do are the exercises and role plays and and re, and behavior rehearsal, if you will. I like that better than role play. Mm-hmm. Uh, behavior rehearsals feel real, and 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 um, so so I'm gaining the kind of confidence um, it, to be able to deal effectively with it with my customer. You know, so it's I think. Is am I also teaching people in a in a school in uh, to be customer centric around an attitude that says you know when you're out there you're on stage you know we I've never seen Mickey Mouse have a bad day at the theme park you know he's always <laughs> on and 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 you never hear Mickey complain about that hot costume in July in Orlando right you know or, or well smiling. you know I had a I had a big big weekend and it's Monday and I you know I'm still a little hungover no you you'd never hear that Mickey's going to be Mickey because that's who Mickey is and so in much the same way helping people acquire an attitude that says you're on stage when you're dealing with a customer and the customer has certain expectations and so helping people acquire the confidence to do that day in and day out. And, and obviously that's a lot of cultural factors that provide support to them so they don't burn out. Um, and, and so, again, that's, that's, there's a lot that can be done, particularly in training. In this particular segment here, we have talked a lot about customer focus. So let me ask you this. Customer focus looking long term. We like to always look into the future. What do you see? five to ten years where do you see some of the priorities and where what's the direction we're going to be going well i think that um it's an that's a great question and i i tend to say if i followed if i take the disruptors that are out there in the marketplace today if i look at what uber's doing what elon musk is doing with tesla and i look at and I take some of, you know, what's Google doing? And if I take extend that out, you know, I get a very interesting picture for most organizations. And I know that um, that big data is going to be really, really important. But I also know that um, customers still like the old-fashioned, humanistic, emotional t- uh, connection. Um, and so it's learning to balance high-tech and high-touch. We've talked about that for years. But I think – you know, when it gets really, 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 really techy, it needs to be really, 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 really touchy. And so um, as one goes up, we've got to bring the other one up to balance that. And so that emotional connection with customers, no matter how cute that computer is, it's still a computer. And 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 so the emotional connection, the human-to-human connection is still – it's still going to be a vital part. There's a research, interesting research about customers' um, reactions to an IVR in a call center. And, you know, I want to talk to a person. Don't give me a mechanical. And so we're seeing a resurgence. We we all like the, you know, time-saving self-service dimension. But, you know, as I like to say, when it works and when it doesn't work, when high-tech doesn't work, you feel like you're stuck in an elevator with no cell phone. I mean, who are you going to call? And so that that's we've got to keep that in mind in the future. Um, we're seeing greater use of AI. We're seeing greater. We're going to see holograms play a different role in the future. Hmm. Um, and, and but nevertheless, we need to keep that balance, high tech and high tech, um, or we'll create a situation where we'll we'll lose the soul of the customer. Couldn't yeah. agree with you more. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you were spot on. I totally agree with you. Well, I tell you what, we've got fi- time for one more. We've got about a minute and a half here. Uh, can you share with us? Uh, I, I said at the beginning, you're a character. You're a funny guy, and you really are. You come on stage, and I, I sat back and I said, "Oh man, this is going to be a fun time." Yeah. You just could tell. You just bring that enthusiasm and that frivolity, and that just you know, hey, let's have some fun here, guys. Come on, yeah, we're gonna, absolutely. Yeah, we're absolutely. gonna learn. So give us a give our audience that has never seen or heard of a Chip Bell presentation. If you got a funny story or anything you'd like to share with us as we wrap it up, Chip, what comes to mind? Yeah, I, I 
work with a lot of. I figure I always like to pick on engineers, mainly because my brother's an engineer, and I tease him. <laughs> I mean, he's a he's an engineer's engineer, you know. And so um, I work with a lot of engineers, but because I I do work with a lot of high tech companies, manufacturing companies, and they tend to hire a lot of engineers. I always love that definition. What's the definition of an extroverted engineer? Hmm. Don't have any idea. Go for it. What is it? An extroverted engineer looks at your shoes. <laughs> oh, that, now I like that. That's funny. That uh, was very yeah. good. That's what I can tell. And, I, and, and every time I remind my brother of that, he, who's very introverted, he, uh. he, he always laughs. So anyway, that's my best for today. Well, that's, that's, that's a great way to end it. I tell you yeah. what, you were... <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Well, I tell you what, uh, we can't thank you enough for stopping by. We certainly hope that our paths cross again in the near future because you're you're uh, not only a, a, a knowledgeable guy, you're a great guy. And it's well, really fun to be around that, you. No, it's I fun to be. Always be fun, fun to be with you. Take care. Enjoy being with you, Scott and Angel. Thank Y'all you so All right. much, Chip. Be safe. Safe travels. Uh, All right. Thank you, thank so you much. much. Chip Bell on Leading the Way. And uh, we're going to be back with our Insight segment right after this. What are best practices? Are they what set your competition? Or are they simply what most companies do to stay in the race? At the Institute for Corporate Productivity, or I4CP, we focus on next practices. And that focus is what today's high-performance organizations rely on to lead the way. Next practices are tactics and strategies that our research has discovered have a great impact on market performance, but that few companies are using. They are what will define market leadership in the years ahead. I4CP helps you see around the curve so your company can adapt and take advantage of emerging trends in the ever-evolving world of human capital. We want you to lead the way. So join our team, I4CP, Institute for Corporate Productivity. Leading the Way. Welcome back to Leading the Way. Here are your hosts, Scott Murray and Angel Carlton. Welcome back indeed on this Sunday afternoon as we head down the home stretch. Great show thus far with our special guest, Chip Bell, and he was something most informative, intriguing, entertaining. You could uh, say a number of things about all he had to share with us, and you can see why he's a, a speaker all around the country with uh, different uh, organizations and at different conventions and conferences and what have you. And I tell you what, uh, it's time now for our insight segment. Jay Jamrog, a futurist and co-founder of I4CP. I tell you what, Jay, Angel and I thought Chip really hit it out of the park. Angel, would you agree? Yeah, you gotta, you got to love Chip, Bell. Jay, what did you think about Chip? What do you have to say? Well, I've, heard him, I've heard him speak many times. And by the way, Scott, yeah, I'm looking at your I'm looking at your sneakers now. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was yeah, a great. I, I, I was waiting to say, you know, what the devil is he going to say? Think, you know, I had no idea what was coming. Oh, that was a curveball, but that was hilarious. Researcher. <laughs> yeah, that was good. That was good. Excellent. Well, I tell you what, uh, let's move on with the old insight segment. Uh, I, as you said, Sounds you good. probably know him better than. Uh, of uh, either either Angel or I put together. You've seen him, uh, I'm sure, three times as many times as we have, but I just thought he was above and beyond. So we asked Chip how he felt uh, about the Internet and social media. I heard you. I trust you heard that part of the show and how it impacts the yeah. customer experience. So what has the research at I4CP discovered on this particular topic? Well, I think he hit it out of bar- ballpark when he said social media is really amplifying and extending the customer experience both for good and bad. I mean, you can reach people with those quote-unquote stories that he says are so important, and I agree the stories are very important, but you also can reach a lot of people with the bad stories too. And separating what, you know, like Angel said, is it that person just having a bad day and telling a bad story, or is it truly a bad story? Is it truly a good story, or does the company pay them to do the good story? So you don't know, you know, it's hard to figure out what's real and what's not real on social media, but it is extending it. But I also, he hit on a point later on in the conversation around high-tech, high-touch. And I really think he's just spot on. We've been seeing it with our new research on young people about how they really love the technology, but they sort of don't trust it either because of this extension and amplifying of, the truth or the fake news on both good stuff and bad stuff around companies and companies' products. 
uh, and how they want that high touch. And they want to, you know, so, and we're seeing that with how they buy stuff, how they interact with people, how they want feedback from their boss, how they want feedback communication. They want it face-to-face. And we asked them if Skype is the same thing as face-to-face, and they said no. They want an experience. They want technology, yes. That's a toy for them, and if you don't have it, you're a dinosaur. But they also want the experience, that human experience. So for years, as he said, we have been watching this so-called trend, high-tech, high-touch, and it has not been coming true until very recently. But his uh, insight around how it amplifies and extends the customer experience um, is very insightful, and we see the same thing. Oh, yeah, I agree, Jay. People are really becoming more skeptical because of the Internet. And and Chip said, you know, this whole customer experience thing, it's about creating an experience people tell stories about. So how are right. companies today effectively capturing the true customer experience? Well, you know, and, and our research showed this, too. When we looked at the customer experience and how do you really capture it, it is that frontline worker, he said, and our research showed that. And our research showed also so that it's not just capturing that experience that the frontline worker uh, hears from the customer all the time, but it's the fact that they share it internally on a regular basis. It's part of the regular framework of meetings, et cetera, the way he described and our research, it, that just popped up, our research, especially in our interviews. When we did a whole interviews around agility recently, uh, which we're rolling out now as our new agility and disruptive uh, research on how companies can be more agile and disruptive, the main thing we heard from everybody is what they called sensing. And that was sensing the customer. And not just sensing the customer, but actually sharing that information back with everybody else on a regular basis. So it's really capturing that experience and that story. And I got to tell you, the whole thing around stories is much more, he's right. The value add is good, but stories about experience really tells a lot. So I'll tell you a really quick one. I was doing some uh, work with uh, Disneyland, Disney World, uh, around training to train around street to workforce planning. And I brought my wife with me. We stayed at a very nice uh, property on, on Disney World where you could actually look over the lagoon and see the fireworks at night coming out of Epcot Center. Uh, you weren't in Epcot, but you were across the lagoon. So we had a very nice dinner. We bought a couple of cocktails, found a nice seat where we could watch the fireworks. And this young, young guy came over and said, are you here to see the fireworks? And we said, yes. And he said, would you like to have a better view? And I'm thinking, oh, crap. What is this going to cost me now? And the guy said, no, come on. It's free. Come on. And he took us in a boat and brought us into the lagoon underneath the fireworks and gave us towels to protect our heads. But we were underneath the fireworks, Scott Mangel. I had never had that experience before, to be underneath a firework display. And it was just a magical experience, and he didn't, he didn't want to die. Really? Boy, that's, a, yeah. that's kind of I'm, – I'm sitting here in awe going, boy, who does that nowadays? Boy, that's really Correct. cool. That's very cool. Well, good for you. I agree. Good but for that's you. Living, that's, living, that's living the culture – He's doing that. You know, when you talk about culture, culture, if you have a customer-focused culture, you can define it as what people do when no one's looking. And so no one was watching this kid do this. No one told this kid to do this. It was just part of the culture of giving him magicalism. And it was actually a part-time job. He was a teacher on the side. Very cool. Uh, we came to find out. So, Very cool. yeah, it's what people do when no one's looking. All right. Well, then let me ask you this and follow up on your customer focus and what you're saying. What are the two most effective elements or actions needed to ensure that success when you talk about customer focus? Anything come to mind? Yeah. I mean, uh, uh, Chip, had, there's, a, there's a couple things. You know, the first thing is the leaders walking the talk. And I'll tell you a little story around that, too. So when you start developing customer-focused culture where you really want to tell the stories and you really want to drive it home, I knew he, he told a story about his bad experience with a bank. Well, I had a good experience with the CEO of a bank, and the CEO would be told ahead of time about different people in different banks who had given, gone overboard and gave a great experience for a customer. Well, he would go into that bank afterwards, and have, he would have dollar bills in his pocket. And he would go up to that person, thank them, shake their hand, and gave them a dollar bill. 
Everybody in that bank knew what that dollar bill meant, and it was put on the cork board and stayed there forever uh, because that was just a badge of honor. And it just told tells people what is truly valued in the company. Um, and so you know, there's lots of examples like that that I've seen over the years that we've done interviews and stuff around customer focus where leaders really show what is important. It, it wasn't the bottom line of that bank. It was that one person who did that went overboard and gave somebody a great experience. And he went up and just shook their hand and gave them a dollar bill. It wasn't a big thing, but it was a big thing to that person and everybody that saw it. But so as leaders, yeah. they have to walk the talk. Interesting. Absolutely. I'll give you, yeah. I'll give you, an, I'll give you another. I'll give you another example of leaders walking the talk. I just had windows put in, and a contractor hurricane-proof windows. Very expensive. Contractors were lousy, so I called up the manufacturer, and they sent out one of their people who fixed them. A nice person. He came out three special trips just to make the, the, the final changes to the because contractor. I called up the company to actually praise them. They said, "Hold on, I want to put you on a line with the CEO because he he listens to all these voicemails." So he, she put me in to the CEO's line, which I expected to have a voicemail. No, that CEO picked it up and listened to my story about how good their representative was. Uh, and I don't know how many times a day he does that because he's probably very busy. But the mere fact that he went to his voicemail usually, but he picked up and actually listened. That's a leader who walks the talk. Absolutely, absolutely. And they're committed to, you know, uh, gaining the confidence, helping their employees gain that confidence and that right attitude that Chip was talking about. And so when, when employees see a leader do that, that sends a clear message. That's yeah. what's valued in this company. Yep, absolutely. So let's ask you this with just a couple of minutes left or less, um, with companies like Amazon who are driving the online retail industry right now and disrupting everything and these cashierless retail outlets popping up, what does the mm -hmm. future and customer experience look like? Oh, oh. Um, you remember we interviewed the, C, uh, the chief experience officer for a uh, um, call center? Um, just a while back, and she said that uh, she's automating almost all the routine stuff, but everything else, she's paying her customer service representatives more money than the actual call center to give them that experience that need beyond the uh, uh, the regular kind of call center kind of stuff. So it's that high-tech, high-touch again. Yes, Amazon is very disruptive. But you notice they are also building brick and mortar in places. Of course, it's all a lot of it's without people. But sometimes you want to walk in and get help. So you're always going to have the stores like Home Depot and Lowe's where my wife can walk in and have a problem and somebody will help her. Uh, and that's the experience sometimes we want. Um, and there will be high tech. Yes, there are actually restaurants now where there you everything's done on a tablet. Um, but sometimes you want restaurants where you have an experience. Um, you're going out on a date light with your night, with your wife. You don't want to have a tablet in front of you. You want to have an experience. Absolutely. So it's, it's be, we're, we're all craving good. that human connection. Absolutely. Well, yeah. Jay, I think we're out of time, so I just want to say yeah. thank you. Sounds like okay, a deal. I, yeah, we do say thank you, Jay, as always. Okay, no problem. And I thanks for your thanks, time this God. afternoon, all our listeners out there. Until next time, I'm Scott Murray. And I'm Angel Carlton. And as we always remind you, live your legacy by leading the way. Have a great week, everybody.